Hello and welcome back to the Literary Salon podcast. It is me, Damien Barr, welcoming you to another book of the week. I am sitting looking at my desk, which is like a Jenga of books at the minute. Um, I just have not kept on top of the proofs that have been sent, the stuff that I've ordered for research for the new book that I'm writing, and stuff that I just can't bear to let go of. If you've got a really ingenious system for ordering your books or some some kind of emotional bypass for the trauma of the cull, please do let me know. Anyway, here I am telling you about another book of the week, which is just gonna which is just gonna add to your TBR as well. I'm just passing the problem along, but what a nice problem it is to have. If you're a regular listener to the podcast, and I hope that you are, then you will know that we love a literary thriller. And there are some really good ones out just now. So already this year we featured Antoine Wilson's Mouth to Mouth and Joanna Margaret's The Bequest. And for this next episode, we're returning to the genre with Colin Walsh's very accomplished debut novel, Kala, which is spelled K-A-L-A. And I saw somebody tweeting about it the other week and they said, I read this novel twice and I basically lived inside it when I was doing it. So we just had to take a look. Now, you might know Colin's short stories. They've won lots of awards. He was named the Hennessy New Irish Writer of the Year in 2019, and he's been published in that very exciting journal, The Stinging Fly, and also in The Irish Times, and he's been on RTE Radio 1 and BBC Radio 4. So, you know, quite often short story writers, when they make a transition to a novel struggle, I find, I did not find that with this book. So Carla is told from the perspectives of three characters, Mush, Helen and Joe, whose adolescence is marked in really different ways by the disappearance of their friend Carla from their small Irish village 15 years ago. The story starts in 2018 as they return to the village for a wedding and then back again to 2003 before Carla goes missing. So it's as you know, we love a dual timeline novel and it basically is that. So it's very well plotted, um, but it's very character driven. So the characters stand on their own and then we get the twists and turns in the plot. Donald Ryan, who we have on the podcast in a couple of weeks for his novel, has said that Carla captures so much of the essence of the thrill and excitement of teenage summers, the wonderful optimism of youth and first loves and the ease with which corruption and evil can take hold and thrive. This is a dazzling novel. High praise from him indeed. So without further ado, prepare to be dazzled by Colin, who has prepared a reading just for us. Hello, how's it going? Uh, my name's Colin Walsh, and I'm very happy to be reading from my debut novel, Kala. Uh, exclusively for listeners of Damien Barr's Literary Salon. Uh, I've never really done anything like this before, so uh, yeah, this is mad. Um, all right, so Damien's already given you an overview of the, the general story of the book, so I'll just tell you where we are in this extract. Uh, so this is narrated by a character named Mush, and he's, uh, yeah, he's like 15 uh, at this point, and his best friend Joe has just started going out with uh, Kala, the title character. Um, and his cousin Aiden, um, who he would have been very close with growing up, is kind of drifting away from them a little bit. So Joe's away on holidays now with his family. Aiden is off doing his own thing. So Mush is uh, for the first time hanging out with uh, with girls. 
So he's hanging out with Carla and two other girls, uh, Helen and Aoife. Um, and yeah, that's where that's where we find ourselves. So here we go. Carla and me were friendly from the get-go, like. Even when Joe wasn't around, I'd call over to hers to hang out, watch films. Girls were pure different from fellas. They lit the room with candles, got extra pillows and cushions from upstairs, big bags of M&Ms and Maltesers, popcorn with lashings of butter. There was one night they were all holding blankets to themselves on Carla's bed, watching the film. If Aidan knew I was doing this, alone with women, watching Romeo and Juliet, I'd never hear the end of it. Joe was off to Disneyland, as usual. He went there every year with his parents for two weeks. I still couldn't believe there was an actual America out there in the world and not on screen. Every year he'd bring back stuff you could only get there. Posters of Spielberg movies. A photo frame where it's the shark from the Jaws poster and you put your picture between the shark teeth. I had a photo of me and Joe and Aidan in it, in my room. Joe had given me a special package for Carla before he left. A letter with a poem and five packs of Rolos. One last Rolo for every week since their first kiss. Well, the girls made a big chorus of Oh My Gods and Carla happy cried. I had never seen anyone do that in real life. Aidan would have rolled his eyes at that too. But Aidan wasn't there. He was busy with the lions doing odd jobs for Uncle Jer. And Joe was away on holidays with his old pair. So I was basically stuck with the girls. That's how I'd have said it to Aidan if he'd burst in on us in Carla's room. Ah, man, I'd say to him, raising my hands. Sure, I'm stuck with them, like. But that wasn't how it was. I liked hanging out with girls. They hugged me every time we said hello and goodbye. Girls did stuff like that. Hug. Touch. Be soft. Give compliments. It was great. Eva was a delicate hugger, trying you on for size like she wasn't sure she'd take you. Carla sort of sank in, letting out snuggly sounds, the dark fuzz of her hair pure tickly. Helen was always a bit shy, but once she did hug you, it was like she was squeezing for juice. Strong, warm. Being in their hugs was like going into a perfume cloud. And one evening I came out of it and saw Mam in the doorframe of the calf, watching us. She took ages brewing up the joke as we made dinner a smile working its way up to her face. Eventually, she looked up from her spuds and blurted, So, how were all your wives? She thought this was the funniest thing anyone's ever said. I sat in a beanbag in Carla's room, flicking through her sketchbook while the women bet into snacks and murmured about how much of a ride Leonardo DiCaprio was. The paper of Carla's sketchbook was thick and made mouth-opening sounds as I turned the sheets. Her drawings were class. The recent pages were all scattered fragments, sketches patchworked about the pages. Tree branches, the moon behind clouds, isolated floating bits of a face that I recognised as Joe. Joe's kind eyes, drifting in a sea of white. Joe's mouth and jaw. Joe's silhouette. You felt how handsome he was to her. It was cool, seeing him through her eyes, made into a kind of artefact like he was famous. As the notebook went backwards to earlier drawings, things got weirder. Busy pages. Some were almost black with scribbles. A whole rake of pages were 
giant branches moved through one another like eels. When you look closely, there was a girl between the branches being crushed. Pages full of drawings of little girls and nuns. Some figures stood with hands on hips, but most were just slumped and sad. Thing was, they had long branches slithering out of their eyes and mouths. Some of the branches had eyes caught between them, and they looked right off the page into me. They were Kala's eyes. One straight, one crooked. I looked at Kala giggling with the girls, and she was cheerful, weightless, slapping her knee as she laughed. Eva was wondering whether or not Leo DiCaprio would be a ride if he spoke like a muck savage from some farm out the Warren. Helen put on a thick Kinlock accent and quoted Shakespeare lines from the film. Calla was laughing as she looked over at me. She clocked the pages open in my lap. She kept laughing, but her eyes changed, like she was telling me a secret. It made me feel weird and I looked away. It's Leo's hair, isn't it? Aoife said. That's what makes him such a ride. It's his way of smoking a cigarette, Kala said. It's his androgyny, Helen said, and we looked at her. Helen knew loads of mad words. She was pure smart like that and we were always slagging her for it. Oh, suck my dictionary, Aoife groaned. What's an androgyny, I said. Aoife said, sounds like a type of deodorant. Androgyny from Calvin Klein. Helen explained it was when a dude sort of looks like a girl and he's delicate and pretty. Like David Bowie, Carla said. Yeah, Helen said. Or your man from Placebo, Carla said, crossing the room to crouch down next to me in the notebook. Wait, that's a fella, Aoife said. Or, Carla said, putting her arm over my shoulders. Like mush. What? Oh my God, Aoife said. She put her hands over her mouth and giggled. Kala pulled at my hair and said, Look at his lovely curls, huh? Sure he's only gorgeous, isn't he? Next thing I knew, they'd me plonked in front of Kala's mirror, all three of them pulling at me, shouting excited instructions to each other. They ran their fingers through my hair and it sent these hot shivers down the back of my neck and shoulders. Kala got some sort of tongs and told me to hold still. Don't move or I'll burn you. The others whooped. Straighten it, babe. Straighten it. Put mascara on him. Where's your black nail varnish gone to? No, don't move your fingers much. Let it dry. I felt this great galloping panic. They were doing some sort of dark magic. With every minor addition, some shade here, a pinning of my hair there, I was becoming someone else in the mirror. He's like, uh, uh, what's his face? Aoife said turning my head in Kala's mirror to accentuate my cheekbones. Edward Scissorhands, Helen said. Kala was putting eyeliner on me. Touch a Mark Bolin about you, Mush. Only you're prettier. She was sucking her mouth, concentrating. Her good eye looked into mine and there was a smile in there. Mush, she whispered. There's women who'd literally murder to have your lashes. The girls cooed over me like I was their doll. They laughed, but they weren't making fun of me or nothing. It was more like they were having fun with me. It wasn't like laughing with lads. They weren't going to attack me or put me down. 
There was something soft inside the laughs, even as they got hyper. I started laughing too, because laughter catches that way, maybe. But it was like I was opening to the whole room. And the room, with the girls, the laughter, the candles, all of it, was swelling me up, making me bigger than I was. And it was weird, but... I don't know. I was in serious danger of enjoying myself. So how much teenage nostalgia are you feeling right now? Can you see the walls of your teenage bedroom? Are you trying to squeeze into those teenage jeans? <laughs> um, it is a book full of that kind of yearning and we know that things are gonna take a dark turn for Mush, so brace yourselves. The book is, by the way, I think perfect for anybody who loves Emma Klein's The Girls. That's very much the vibe we're talking about here. So anyway, that was Colin Walsh reading exclusively for the Literary Salon. Kala is published by Atlantic Books and available now in all good bookshops. And there are lots of events planned with the author throughout July, so do check them out and see if Colin is coming to a town near you. We're going to try and post some of that on our Instagram, but you can also follow them on socials. As always, you know what I'm going to say go to your local independent bookshop if you have one and if you haven't then I hope you have a library where you can borrow it from for free but also do know that many independent bookshops deliver some for free and if you shop at the salon shop on bookshop.org then you can support what we do. So anyway I hope that you're feeling ready for that teenage trip. Thank you for listening and join us again soon. Bye.